Hello and welcome to Generation Mix. This is the podcast where a father and a son review the CDs that dad's been making for the son for the last six years or so. I'm the dad, I'm Neil. I'm the son, I'm Joel. And if you picked up on our musical clue from the last episode, which was, gosh, ages ago, then not only have you been fantastically patient, but you will have worked out that we are listening to the music of... Simon and Garfunkel. But... Not only Simon and Garfunkel, we're also listening to some of the solo material from Paul Simon. So it's a bit of a double header. Simon and Garfunkel were a folk duo in the early 60s, originally known as Tom and Jerry. They recorded their first album, which is it's a very folk orientated album. It wasn't a success. Paul Simon went over to the UK uh, while he was away. The first track that we're going to listen to was a sudden and surprise major hit over in the States. It's also our theme for the episode. It is Sounds of Silence. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains Within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestones Boring version. It's not a boring version. I didn't put the boring version on here, actually. It's more boring than the disturbed one. Which is good. Okay, well, we'll talk about the disturbed version in a minute, but Sound of Silence is a bona fide 60s classic. Now, the boring version, as you put it, is the one that's from the Wednesday morning 3am album because that is purely acoustic. As I said, while they were away, it became a surprise hit, and that was because the record company put a load of backing musicians on it, released it as a single, and it suddenly became hugely successful. And... Apparently, Simon and Garfunkel both resented what the record company did a bit. However, they were now massively successful. That version then went on to the Sounds of Silence album, which was their second record, along with a lot more new compositions that Paul Simon had done and written while he was in the UK. But you mentioned the Disturbed version being better. So why is the Disturbed version better? Because it's cooler and it's rocky. Except it's not. It's less boring. It's it's more Spartan than what you were just listening to. It's the thing less is boring. I'm arguing you to be devil's advocate because I agree that the disturbed version is better. I that one ab- has I absolutely uh, love the disturbed version. That one feels so minimalist, and I'm not a big fan of minimalist music. But the it's just it's just the two people singing. Yeah. And then an a load of instrumentation. Guitar, an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar. And, and occasional drums. And then drums and then a bass comes in. It's a full band in the background of it after the first verse. But I, like I said, I agree with you that I think the Disturbed version is phenomenal. And there's many reasons for that. One is, if you've ever heard any other music by Disturbed, it is so mis-selling the band. <laughs> Because they are a, a very loud, scratchy vocaled rock, metal, thrash metal, whatever it is. That well, the scratchy vocals come through in the Sound of Silence, but it sounds good. It does. And 
his vocal, the lead singer's vocal of it is better. I, I like the sound of silence. I love Disturbed's version of it enough that it fits into my top 100 songs of all time. Whereas the original version of Sound of Silence, I'd kind of gotten bored with, but when I heard the Disturbed one, whoa, it really opened the song back to me. So I agree with you, and it's in a handful of cover versions that I genuinely think are better than the original. I mean, you know what? For the risk of doing a load of cross promotion, I might well do a pock and rop episode on my YouTube channel okay. of top cover versions that are better than the originals. So let's move forward to the final album that was released by Simon and Garfunkel. Its title is Bridge Over Troubled Water, but this track was released up to a year before that album came out. They spent ages making it. It's called The Boxer. When I left my home and my family, I was no more than a boy in the company of strangers in the quiet of the railway station running scared. Laying alone, seeking out the Quarters where the ragged people go Looking for the places only they would know I think they're like this, I guess, I guess syncopated uh, not riff um, ostinato through it is a bit annoying. You mean the guitar arpeggios? Yeah. Not syncopated. I don't think they're syncopated. That's not syncopation. Syncopation is where you play music in the off beats rather than the on beats. Okay. Syncopation, you need to listen to ragtime music like Scott Joplin. But that's that was arpeggios. Okay. Still an ostinato. But you think it's a bit annoying? Yeah. Why? Because, like, through the entire song. <laughs> so what do you think of the actual song, though? Right. Well, I guess the rest of the song's all right. I like some of the, like, sequencing bits. Here's the thing. I included that because it is a bona fide Simon & Garfunkel classic. I don't particularly like it. Oh, uh, OK. And... There was a time that I used to think Bridge Over Troubled Water was one of my top 20 or so albums I'd ever heard. 
And the more I listen to it, the more I realise there are tracks on it, like the Boxer, that I think are massively overrated. So let's go to probably the crowning achievement of Paul Simon's solo career. An album from 1987, got rave reviews. I believe it won the Grammy for Best Album, and deservedly so. The album was called Graceland, and this track is the title track, Graceland. The Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar. I am following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War. I'm going to Graceland, Graceland, to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to Graceland. first 45 seconds or so there's a really annoying guitar thing again it's not as bad as the last track because it doesn't go through the entire thing um, but the, the rest of the guitar i think is fun i love the the bass and guitar riff in the chorus that that undulating bass guitar combo i think it's absolutely fantastic they're quite narrow vocal range though in this at least in this one it's got quite a narrow vocal range. You know what? I will give you something on the fact that Paul Simon is not the world's greatest singer. He's a good singer, but he's not phenomenal. The, the truly phenomenal singer in Simon and Garfunkel was Art Garfunkel. And Paul, yeah. but Paul Simon's blended vocal with him worked brilliantly well. But I think he's got a decent voice. But it's no, it, 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 I wasn't saying his voice is bad. I just think that song has a pretty narrow vocal range. What did you think of the actual song itself? Mid. Yeah, I suppose you've got to kind of really dig into the lyrics to learn to appreciate some of his songs. He's a very deep thinker in terms of his songwriting. And it's not just about the melody, it's often about the words. That said, we're going to the Bookends album from 1968 for one that seems to be Perhaps on the sillier side, it's at the zoo. Something tells me it's all happening at the zoo. I do believe it. I do believe it's true. Giraffes are insincere And the elephants are kindly But they're dumb Orangutans are skeptical Of changes in their cages And the zookeeper is very fond of rum When I talk about like people uh, Like musicians having styles Which I really quite like When they have yeah. a certain style They just all feel the same so far they feel really samey that's a little bit unfair like with like with like they all have like fairly fast guitars that have like a kind of rhythm they all have that he's an acoustic guitarist predominantly yeah but every single song and so he's far from has folk, had that. he's from the american folk tradition that's where they started out so it shouldn't be surprising that they've got a certain style. 
It's not just a style, though. I think all the songs, almost well, all the songs, are almost the same. Did you like the song though at the zoo? No, it was it was fun, I guess. I mean, giraffes are insincere. I mean, where else are you going to find a line like that in any song? Monkeys stand for honesty. Giraffes are insincere, and the elephants are kindly, but they're dumb. Orangutans are sceptical of changes in their cages, and the zookeeper is very fond of rum. I mean, they're just fantastic lines. And every time, every time I see orangutans, I think orangutans are sceptical because of that song. Honestly, you need to go back and listen to a song like At The Zoo and see how cleverly the lyrics work. At some point in the future, we've got an episode on Coldplay coming, haven't we? Yeah. And one of the songs that is on there to give away a, a clue is the collaboration with Chainsmokers. And I have a go about a line in that, don't I? About Hercules, which is all about stressing the wrong syllable. Listen to the lyrics of something like At The Zoo and see how it's written when the syllables are done right. Orangutans are sceptical. It's just brilliant. You say that you think all the songs are very similar. I think you'll find something different in the next one. So this is a proper pop single. It was from There Goes Rhyming Simon from 1973. A song that couldn't be released as a single in the United Kingdom. See if you can work out why. It's called Kodachrome. I guess. So like I say, this couldn't be released as a single in the UK. Why would that be? I don't know. But it but I will say it's also ha it once again had the shuffle beat. Yeah, what they all have that. Well, we'll see. I don't think they do. So far they all have I'm going to tell you why it couldn't be released. Okay. Kodachrome is a brand name. Wasn't allowed to be played on the BBC, because Kodachrome is a brand name. And, uh, the same the reason why a song that you do know and I and you know you like, Lola, yeah. had to be re-recorded for the single version, because the original... Coca-Cola. Yep, and they had to Cola. sing Cherry Cola, because Coca-Cola is a brand name. Kodachrome is a brand name. Ridiculous, isn't it? Couldn't yeah. be played on the BBC because it would be advertising. I love Kodachrome, but and I like the whole There Goes Rhyming Simon album. It took me a long time to learn to love that album. It must be said, I, there was a time I couldn't stand it. Outside of, like, the Beatles and, like, certain Who tracks, I think I'm going to find it very hard to, like, listen to older stuff now that I since I became a pop head. As in a modern pop head. I listen to a lot of modern pop music. Because... I, one of the things I really like about modern pop music is the really crisp production. Because it sounds, it, I think oh, it sounds oh. really good. Production Sometimes. is a minefield of an area. Yes, I know. I read a review a couple of months ago of Midnight's by Taylor Swift. And in the comments section below the review, there was somebody saying that 
Jack Antoninoff, and that's correct, who is the producer of her last five albums. He finds his production style a complete turn-off when he hears music. And, and the more I've been listening to it, I've started to identify Jack Antoninoff's style of production. There's someone else I think, think of that has a very obvious production style. When you hear something that's produced by that person, you go, oh, well, that's so-and-so. And that's Jeff Lynn from ELO. Oh. His production style is absolutely signature. There's one... Phil Spector, the wall of sound production style with massive amounts of reverb is totally signature. There's one that I can't, for the life of me, remember the name of. I'm not good with names of particular producers. Um, uh, the early Britney producer went on to produce a lot of pop stuff in the early 2010s. Well, maybe I, maybe you should look it up on your phone and, I will come, and, and, and when we come back later. Let's move on from Kodachrome to another Simon and Garfunkel track from the album Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Thyme. And this is was written in the UK. This is a rather beautiful ballad called Flowers Never Bend with the Rainfall. No matter if you're born to play the king or pawn For the line is thinly drawn between joy and sorrow So my fantasy becomes reality And I must be what I must be and face tomorrow So I'll continue to continue to pretend My life will never end And flowers never bend Okay, I I thought that was fun, fairly. It was fun. I didn't mind the 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 shuffle the, beat. Yeah, in that one. But um, one thing I did pick up that I didn't particularly like was the um, a lot of the lines or most of the lines in the verse he done with da 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 da. And I thought that was really annoying. <laughs> I, I it I, it doesn't sit in my ear. You know what? You well. maybe you should have a chat with your music teacher about. Song construction and song form. Yeah, I know. They are folk background and arguably crossing into the kind of like the Dylan area yeah, of I know. protest songs at times. I mean, Flower, there's some harsh lyrics in a lot of Paul Simon's words that he wrote for Simon. It's just that they do it mul like several times to end it off. And it, I, I don't think, I, don't just, I just don't think it sits well in my ear. Okay. Let's go to a song that comes from the album Surprise, which is a late era Paul Simon solo record. Probably didn't mean a huge amount to you, but it does to me. The song is called Father and Daughter. I'm gonna watch you shine, gonna watch you grow, gonna paint a sign so you'll always know as long as... Nice, it's and a, the production was nice as well. Yeah, it's that, very uh, that, clean that, that, that production. Was, that was my favorite production so far because so, I like, I, as I said, I like clean production. Well, you, you've now looked up who it was that you were talking about earlier, and who was it again? It was Max Martin. He's he's done quite a lot of he's done a lot of Katy Perry stuff. He's done a lot of uh, Swift, uh, Taylor Swift stuff. Well, no, he did the whole of the nineteen eighty nine album. 
yeah, uh, he did a lot of the weekend stuff as well. So it's which is Blinding Lights and Blinding Save Lights and Save Your Tears. The After Hours album, face. which is a great album. And he and he did early weekend as well, like Can't Feel My Face. Okay, and like, okay. Um, can't say that I could pick out his style. There, there are people I I can, and there is production I dislike. So I understand that if you don't like a production on style on something, then you won't like it. The problem at the moment seems to be producers that just brick wall everything. You should basically mm. push all the volumes up. Mm. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to have a go at a man called David Kahn while I'm here, who produced Paul McCartney's album, Memory Almost Full, and listening to it on CD is an exhausting experience because it's totally brick walled. It's really quite hard to listen to. I've heard a needle drop flack file version of it from the vinyl and it's so much softer and the songs are transformed production can actually make or break music yeah i agree good producers are rare and hard to find next track back to sounds of silence album for leaves that are green I'm 22 now, but I won't be for long Time hurries on And the leaves that are green turn to brown I recognised it, but I didn't know what from Yeah, the harp, you were talking about the harpsichord bit in the middle and then when it got to the actual lyrics of the song, your recognition disappeared, despite the fact that you know a song that has got those exact lines. I was 21 years when I wrote this song. I'm 22 now, but I won't be for long. There is a song you know that steals the two lines completely blatantly. Shall I McCartney. sing it? It's not McCartney. So it goes... I was 21 years when I wrote this song. I'm 22 now, but I won't be for long. I don't want to change the world. I'm not looking for New England. I'm oh, just looking for another call. girl. Yeah. If it was something I actually listened to on the regular, <laughs> We've done maybe. an episode on it. I've well over know, a year ago. Do you know how much of that singing I'm going to have to leave in? Oh well. Um, the only um, Kirsty McCall songs that I can, I fairy can tale of New think York. in yeah, my head yeah. and remember some of the words to A Fairy Tale of New York and Colum Columbia One. In England Col to Columbia Nil. Yeah, that one. Well, A New England was written by Billy Bragg and he just nicked the first two lines of the song. I mean, he, he's blatant about it. He's completely honest and says, yeah, well, no, nick those two lines. They're really good. <laughs> Don't think he actually gave Paul Simon a writing credit. These days... He would now be being sued by somebody who owns mm. the the ownership of that song now, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Because litigiously, John and I had a discussion just yesterday about plagiarism in music and people suing over similarities, particularly the estate of Marvin Gaye, suing people left, right and centre. Paul Simon could have sued Billy Bragg back in the early 80s for that, but they didn't because... Music has always lifted and borrowed from what has come before. Always. And we will come back to that point 
a little bit later on when we get to track 19 on this CD. But we've got a long way to go yet. We're only just at track nine for a phenomenal song. It used to be in my top 100, only just outside of it, from bookends, it's America. Kathy, I'm lost, I said, though I knew she was sleeping. I'm empty and aching and I don't know why. Counting the cars on the New Jersey turnpike, they've all come to look for a So I think that's a phenomenal song. Mm. What do you think, John? I thought it was I thought it was good. I think it's beautiful. Wonderful lyrics, tells a fantastic story. Kathy, I'm lost, I said, though I knew she was sleeping. So well written. Absolutely brilliant song. Anything else you want to say about it? Production okay for you? Yeah. It is quite clean, isn't it? Yeah. 1968, remember, when they didn't have anything other than four-track recording mm -hmm. at best. They could go... Four-track recording. They had to bounce things down on tape. They didn't have thousands of tracks like they do on a computer now. Real skill back then. Let's go to a more Latin-flavoured track from the Paul Simon album that came out in 1972. This is me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Whoa, in a couple of days, the coma take me away, but the press let the story leak. Now when the radical preach come to get me released, we is all on the coroner's week. And I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye to Rose, the queen of Corona. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. It was okay. That it? Yeah. I guess there were fun bits. I, I kind of thought it was a bit dull. For a fast song. It was pretty dull. Listen to the lyrics. Very I was listening to the lyrics and That'll I picked out Queen of Corona. Goodbye, Rosie, the Queen of Corona. Yeah. Not that, coronavirus. That hits different in 2020. <laughs> 2023. Always no, no. That'd be daft. Let's head to their debut record, Wednesday morning, 3am. Now, I said this was Spartan. This is basically just guitar and vocal. And there is... This track is a perfect example. It is the title track, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., but a fantastic story song. My life seems unreal, my crime and illusion. A scene badly written in which I must play. Yet I know as I gaze at my young love beside me, the morning is just a few hours. Wednesday morning, 3am, what did you think? You told me to listen to the lyrics of the third and fourth verses. Are they being hanged for holding up a shop? No. I don't know exactly what the song is about, but my suspicion is it's all caught up in the title 
Wednesday morning, 3am, and the fact that the singer of the song is awake whilst the person that they love is asleep next to them. So what is the song about? Any ideas? Taking that as the premise and the clue. Cheating. No. I think the song is about a nightmare. And that the song protagonist is awake, he's aware of the person next to him asleep, and in his dream, he's held up and robbed the hard liquor store. And it feels so vivid and real to him. Because the fourth verse then goes on to say, my crime and illusion. A scene badly written in which I must play. I think, because I've had dreams occasionally where I have woken up and they've been incredibly vivid and it's taken me minutes to realise, actually, that was a dream. And I think that's what the song's about. Those of you out there who are listening to this, why not head over to our Facebook page, Generation Mix and Pock and Rock, and put your theories down about what the song's about. I think it's about a nightmare. But is it actually genuinely a song that's written from the point of view of someone who has committed a crime and is going to have to go on the run at dawn in the morning? Moving on to Simon and Garfunkel's last album, which I said earlier, I think is actually quite overrated. One of the songs that's perhaps a little bit more under the radar from the record, and I don't think is overrated, is this one, which is The Only Living Boy in New York. really like the terrace dynamics. What? When it, when it changes, di the dynamics change very suddenly and there's like not really crescendo or decrescendo. You like that? What about the rest of the song? I've forgotten. I really like The Only Living Boy in New York, but I can understand why you forget it. We're returning to There Goes Rhyming Simon for the second time for a gospel style song called Loves Me Like a Rock. It is fun, and there's a cover version of this I really like by Third Day, and they did it on their last ever album, Revival, and it's totally in keeping with the, the, the feel of the album, because that is a gospel-inflected song. I mean, you commented as we were listening to it about... You're the rock, you're the yeah, rock. Loves me like ages. the Rock of Ages, and the Rock of Ages is an old hymn. Strong enough, strong yeah, enough don't... to say, but... Thank you. Not that particular version by oh, Simon Brady. Oh, the other ground, King Sam. <laughs> I'm glad you like Rock of Ages by Simon Brady. However, we're moving on. I like all of Loves Me Like Brady. a Rock. Loves Me Like a Rock is a really fun song, as you said. We come now to a song that was for a soundtrack for a film that came out in 1968 called The Graduate. 
Um, it ultimately made its way onto the Bookends album and the Graduate soundtrack. You bound to know this because this song has got life outside of its original context. It's become a major, well-known song. It's called Mrs. Robinson. The fact that it's Mrs. Robinson. I've never seen whatever film that is. It might have appeared in Minions. It's the right era for them but, to have uh, used it into yeah. like Minions. But it will be it's like this stuff, version. Or the kinks and stuff in Minions, yeah. so maybe. It will be this version. That but I hate know. the Minions. I don't so. know any cover version apart from Frank Sinatra's of Mrs. Robinson, which is appalling, by the way. <laughs> I mean, there, there's another thing for the Pocknot video. Five worst cover versions ever, and that would be one of them. That I'm aware of. I don't think it's a song that has actually been massively covered. I could be wrong. But, Mrs. Robinson, you know this version. It's a okay. hugely successful song. On to Stranger to Stranger, which at the time of making this CD was his last album. And I think it may still actually be his last album of original material. For a song called Wristband which is another one of his very cleverly observed lyrics about something that actually happened to him. Then I heard a click, the stage door lock. I knew just what that meant. I'm gonna have to walk around the block if I wanna get in a wristband, my man. You got to have a wristband. If you don't have a wristband, my man, you don't get through the door. So when she, he actually... So when he actually he, got locked out of his own gig, yeah. So when they realised that he wasn't on stage, they didn't somehow get a message to the guy that wasn't letting him in. Eventually, him in. eventually it would have got resolved because there would have been a lot of angry people that weren't allowed to see Paul Simon live because he wasn't allowed into the venue of his own gig <laughs> for security he would have purposes. Been fired. The guy who wasn't letting him in would have absolutely been fired it's a song that at its heart is actually about jobs worth as in oh, i can't it's more than my jobs worth mate that's i think it's fired anyway well he probably didn't but he was doing his job he probably wristband. did not the most tuneful of paul simon's songs but yeah. i do think one of the funniest lyrics back to simon and garfunkel era for a track from bookends again which is such a good album this is Hazy Shade of Winter. You might know this from something else, actually. I do know it, it yeah. indeed. Uh, I like the riff. The riff is cool. The riff is fantastic. The version that you might be more familiar with would be the one that was covered by, well, it was a cover by the Bangles in the 1980s. You know who the Bangles were, don't you? Uh, uh, 
Wolf Knight and Egyptian. Yeah, I, I, was, I was about to do and that. Manic Monday to... and Eternal Flame. Yeah. And they did a really good cover version of Hazy Shade of Winter. We're cracking on now and getting towards the end. Another proper hit single. This was a hit single in the UK this time from the album Still Crazy After All These Years, which he won the Grammy for. And it's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. 50 ways to leave your lover You just slip out the back jack Make a new plan, stand You don't need to be coy, Roy Just get yourself free or Hop on the bus, Gus You don't need to discuss much Just drop off the key, leave And get yourself free Yeah, I recognise the chorus. I have no idea what from, but it, it very much reminded me of Hit the Road Jack. By Ray Charles. Hit the road, Jack. Don't, Don't you come, come back, back no more. It was an influence. That song by Ray Charles was an influence on 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Why else would he use the line, just slip out the back, Jack? It is it is an influence on it. And, and I know it's, he owes a debt to Ray Charles on that. Now, the next track got me a, a part in a musical. Because I used this site track as my audition piece for that musical. This is from the Sounds of Silence album again. Last pick from that record, it is I Am A Rock. A winter's day In a deep and dark December streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow I am a rock I am an island Of course it's not quite as out there as I am the walrus I am the Eggman It came two years before I am the walrus This came out in 1965 Maybe, maybe they li were listening to this while they were high and were actually in the song <laughs> It's a very bitter song I am a rock Lines like, I, I have no need of friendship, friendship causes pain, it's laughter and it's loving, I disdain. All about being alone on an island, away from all the other people, it's really quite a bitter song. If you're on an island, how can you be an island? <laughs> He's a rock, not an island. He says, I, I am, am a rock, island. I am an island. I, well, it's a metaphor! But Bastille are better at metaphors. No, they're not. Yes, they're they learned are. from these guys. They're better at metaphors. So the, the role I got was the role of Judas in a production of a musical called The Passion. And it was because I chose that song that they said it'd be ideal for Judas. And Judas has got the best song in the show. He really did. And the most rock style. The next track is in my top 10 songs of all time. And yeah, I believe I said that this was probably my number seven song of all time when I said it, it's it's just grown in stature over the last decade or so. This is from There Goes Rhyming Simon. It's my absolute favourite Paul Simon solo track. It's American Tune. I don't know souls not been battered. I don't have a friend who feels at ease I don't know a dream that's not been shattered 
driven to its knees Oh, but it's all right It's all right For we lived so well so long Still when I think of the road we're traveling on I wonder what's gone wrong I can't help it, I wonder what's gone wrong And I dreamed I was dying I dreamed that my soul rose unexpectedly Looking back down at me, smiled reassuringly, and I dreamed I was flying. And high up above, my eyes could clearly see the Statue of Liberty sailing away to sea. And I dreamed I. So you better like American Chicken. Yes, I did like it. It was very pretty. It's a And you always film. say, I don't like ballads. Have I said that in this episode? No, but you did last episode. That may be true. But I have learnt in the two-month gap between episodes, thanks to you not wanting to do them, that... Yeah, we're on a boring streak. We're not. You're actually enjoying oh. quite a few of these songs. Okay, a uh, anticipation week. Okay. Uh, not anti what? Anticipation streak. Anti-anticipatory, sure. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Move on. That is... Well, before we move on, I'm going to say something. I, I made a point earlier and said we will return back to the idea of nicking music, didn't I? Mm. American Tune is an example of that. Now, it's an absolutely timeless melody, which I can say... Absolute certainty, because the majority of the melody of those verses was written by Johann Sebastian Bach oh, okay. in the early 1700s. And it's also known as a song called O Sacred Head Now Wounded. It's a, a, a hymn which goes, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. Da, 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 da. And that is by J.S. Bach. It's the same tune, an American tune. There's no hiding it. Music has been stealing from previous music for generations upon mm. generations. Yeah. And the trend now for suing somebody over a slight musical phrase. If somebody sues over a lyrical similarity, that's different. The, 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 the breadth of words we have available to us is huge. And so but when I it's can like see, I can common see sayings like... Like Taylor, Taylor the Swift shake got, it off thing. Got oh, that was over the top. Uh, that was like, over the top. Player's gonna play. That's an actual saying. But had Paul Simon sued somebody over the staling of those lyrics we mentioned earlier, there would have been a justification for that mm. because there are so many other words you could use. But we're limited in what we've got in terms of melody to certainly in Western music the eight note scale. Mm. And there's so only so much in theory that you can do with that before you are going to end up sounding like something else. The songs I write, I'm absolutely convinced I nick bits of them from loads of stuff. Mm. I know I got a bit of my uh, composition for film music from J the James Bond theme. <laughs> well, because I accidentally worked out how to use it, how to play it on the piano, and then I decided to 
Why not? Sprinkle it a, a little bit into my eighth. But you, so long as you are kind of upfront about your influences and sound, I don't think there's a problem with that. And in many ways, I don't have a problem with subconsciously nicking something and not knowing where it's come from. You know, there's a really famous story about yesterday by Paul McCartney, and and he he woke up with that melody in his head, and he he immediately put some nonsense lyrics to it, scrambled eggs. He tells the story all the time. But he was really concerned that having woken up with that melody, that genuinely unique song, that he heard it from somewhere else. He hadn't. He'd come up with something new, but he had that whole kind of thing of like, it's so fully formed in my head, I must have heard that before. And so he didn't do anything with it for for weeks and weeks and was checking with people. Do you recognise this? No, no, no. And then eventually he accepted the fact that he had dreamt that. Imagine that, you've dreamt the most covered pop song of all time. I did not know that. Yeah. We're getting towards the end. Speaking of pop songs, we need a genuine pop hit. It comes from Graceland, his towering achievement, and this is You Can Call Me Out. You might well recognise this as well. Man walks down the street, it's a street in a strange world. Maybe it's the third world, maybe it's just first time around. Doesn't speak language, he holds no currency. He is a foreign man, he is surrounded by the sound, the sound. Scatterings and orphanages He looks around, around He sees angels in the architecture Spinning in infinity He says, Amen, hallelujah If you be my bodyguard I know that riff from somewhere else. You know that riff from this song. I don't know. It's possible that You Can Call Me Owl has had that riff lifted, that keyboard riff, and has been sampled and used in something. That could be where you know it from. Quite possibly. I don't know. The riff is an earworm. Yeah. And so you just think you've heard it before. It's such a clever, simple piece of music. Penultimate track. A song that is from Parsley Sage, Rosemary in Time and was written when he was feeling homesick. It is called Homeward Bound. Every day is an endless stream of cigarettes and magazines mm-hmm. And each town looks the same to me The movies and the factories And every stranger's face I see Reminds me that I long to be That was nice, I guess. It's a lovely song. It was a little bit, a little bit dark, and a little bit. Well, it's a, a, a predominantly acoustic written number. Mm. I believe this was written on the station platform in Witness Station when he was homesick. We've saved the best to the last, in my opinion. This is. I thought your favourite was American Teen. You didn't listen to what I said. I was very careful with what I said. I said American Teen is my favourite Paul Simon solo recording. 
the best and my probably my second favourite song of all time, just behind A Day in the Life. It's the title track of Bridge Over Tall Water. It casts a massive shadow over the whole album. And as a result, I think I rated the album much, much higher purely because of this phenomenal song. It is Bridge Over Tall Water. Sail on, silver girl. Sail on. It's it's beautiful. Incredible. And it split them up. Why did Paul Simon not like it? Paul Simon wrote it. Paul Simon loves it. I mean, that got to... It's the sole UK number one hit single that they had. Mm -hmm. And Paul Simon doesn't sing on it at all. That is purely Art Garfunkel's vocal. It would not have been the same with him, though. Wow. No, no, no. It absolutely wouldn't. And he knows that as well. So you try and imagine you're in this tight duo that have started to develop tension during the recording of their last album, Bridge Over Troubled Water. And then all the plaudits are about the person who didn't write the songs, delivery of that song. But he wouldn't have been able to deliver it without what Paul Simon wrote. And those tensions become breaking points. And they grew to hate each other. And that song was one of the key factors. The real, it wasn't the, the, the cut, it was the wedge that went in between them. Interesting stuff about the song is that Paul Simon wrote two, the first two verses, the, which are lovely and fine. And the record company said, or, or the producer said, you need to write a third verse. It's not, and he, no, it's finished, it's complete. He said, no, you need to write a third verse. And they, he wrote that third verse in the studio. And it's that third verse that truly makes a song. That song actually almost brings me to tears sometimes. Is it that good? And it's interesting that we've had this CD bookended by a song that I think has got one of the greatest covers of all time, Sounds of Silence, and a song that I don't think any cover version can touch the original is the one that bookends the album. 
It's almost like I planned it when I made you the CD, John. Maybe, you know what, maybe you need to have a daddy's introduction to the greatest covers. So what do you think overall of the CD Paul Simon? It was pretty album? good. There were bits that like annoyed me. Like they did yeah, use that enough. guitar very yeah. fast staccato guitar thing. I, by, I guess it's kind of strumming, but you know they what? did it I think I think all I, the time. I think I end loaded the CD with in this case the great, some the really absolutely good great stuff. But I did also front load it with Santa Silence for heaven's sake. I didn't like not put a great song to kick it off. So that brings us to the end of the CD on Paul Simon and Simon and Garfunkel. If you've been listening to this podcast for any time at all, you'll know what's coming now. Joel's Revenge. Joel's Revenge. And given the fact that we've ended with Bridge Over Troubled Water, this had better be a good revenge. What have you got for me? Well, I want to pick... I picked a song that I think is has incredible vocals as well. No, Nowhere near as good. <laughs> but like, I think he's got really good vocals and is it's my favourite song uh, of the artist which is Ariana Grande it's an Ariana Grande song okay it's not the one you know and like well I think I have uh, a no feeling tears you're going to, to dislike an amazingly it. good song I have a feeling you're going to dislike it mm. well but, I'm going to have to hear it aren't I so yeah what I is it what is it called it is called it is called Dangerous Woman and it's from the album Dangerous Woman it's okay. the title track of the album That was Dangerous Woman. You didn't like it, did you? Didn't hate it. But I didn't like it, you're right. <laughs> but I didn't hate it. It's I, it's yet another, for me, it's yet another modern pop song with four chords cycled constantly throughout the song. It's one of the things that I think annoys me most about most modern pop music. Not all. For instance, I'm really, really fond of the album Charlie by Charlie Puth. I was listening to it yesterday. I think it's getting better and better. And there's so much musical invention that he and his co-writers Char put into his songs. Charlie Puth is one of the best pop writers of the last You know uh, what? I would probably decade. agree with you. That said, Twas Ever Thus. If you ever listen to Get Back by the Beatles, it's only got two chords in it. So there's always been ones that work but there's too much where it's just chord cycle and layered over the top with some incredible vocals, I, I would have to admit, and some interesting lyrics. Heaven's sake, people, I just wish people would change it up a bit more and put in a bridge where the chords change and maybe hit something that's a minor key or a major key or, or even a complete, do something different because I, for one, in listening to modern pop, proper pop music songs and thinking, I am getting bored. Wow, I didn't expect to give that diatribe. <laughs> I really didn't. I, I don't like dislike the song, okay? I don't dislike it. I don't like it either, but... So it doesn't touch No Tears Left to Cry? No, No Tears Left to Cry is beautiful. But I, I don't want to be this grumpy, nearly 50-year-old curmudgeon 
that says all modern music is rubbish because it's not. I have listened to some phenomenal stuff over the last year. The, the albums that I've put in my top 10, and by the way, I am going to cross promote the Pock and Rock channel here. I did my <laughs> top 10 albums of 2022 just two weeks ago. A link will be in the description. But it, it's I need something inventive in what I listen to whilst melded with familiar. So I've listened to 10, what I think are phenomenal albums this year. 10 better albums this year than I listened to, in my opinion, in 2020 and 2021, which suggests to me that 2022 has been a great year for music. I didn't think it was originally, but those 10 albums, I know I'm going to be listening to those for years. They're in my top 250 albums at least. Well, we're going to have to wrap up there. Otherwise, I'm going to end up pontificating on the state of modern music for far too long. Before we go, cross promotion. I've already mentioned my channel, Pock and Rock. My channel is First Party Idiot. It currently has no videos, but I am forcing myself to record a video even if I don't want to on Saturday so I can actually get a routine started. <laughs> I've mentioned a video that went out two weeks ago. I'm doing one every week. The one that will come out just as this is also released, if you are listening recently, will be my predictions for 2023. <laughs> the things I know I'm looking forward to because I know they're coming and what we might be getting and any rumours that I might have picked up on the internet. Listen out for our musical clue at the end of this episode to who we're doing next. But until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.